Welcome into the DMVR Draft Podcast. We've got a ton to talk about as uh, training camps have opened. We've got more clarity on the quarterback situation or maybe less clarity, which I guess is good for the Draft Pod guys. But what I want to tell you is all about Hassle Cattle Company. We brought you damn good beer, and now we're delivering to you damn good beef. So damn good that you can now get Wagyu beef at the DMVR bar. That's right. We couldn't resist putting this damn good beef in the bar. You all can now come down and build your own delicious Hassle Cattle Wagyu beef burger and all the toppings you want and enjoy. Watch the parties of, on a random Tuesday evening with the finest beef. Hassle is hooking you up with 10% off your entire purchase. Just use code DMVR10 at checkout. That's DMVR10 to save 10% off your entire order this stuff is delicious it's addicting and the good people at hassle have made it economic for you check them out use code dmvr10 let's get it Welcome into the DMVR Draft Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Andre Simone. Justin and uh, Henry, busy with all sorts of stuff the last couple weeks. So tune in to the second episode of the Draft Pod this week, a little double dose. But I've got Jake Schwanitz with me. How are you doing, Jake? Doing well, Dre. Crazy week, huh? Dude, truly crazy. <laughs> I mean... You know, the the changes in college football are kind of mounting and becoming exponential. The landscape, as we know it, changing before our eyes. And we're seeing that um, this week for starters with Texas and Oklahoma. Um, like, how did you live this out? So the news first breaks and we, we were like, well, we should do a show. But, you know, the guys were busy and we kind of wanted to see how it play out. Did you think this would happen this rapidly? Obviously not. This was insane. Just an absolute warp speed pace. Apparently, yeah. uh, just from digging in and reading around, this has kind of been in the talks for a while. And then uh, just the deal of it all, I guess Texas A&M kind of got their feelings hurt with Big Brother coming back into the picture and leaked it. Um, but man, yeah, just Classic. absolutely insane how it all kind of came undone and just... We're just watching a new revolution of college football, I think, right before our eyes. Yeah, and I mean, I was the same way. I thought like, oh, okay, it's a leverage play to get more money, get more power, like whatever. We do this every four or five years. And then it, then it became clear, no, the news breaking was just, I mean, they were trying to do this behind people's backs and get this done as quick as possible and get the sec in the mix. And, um, now, you know, it's, it's the poachers versus the poachees and we'll get into what it means to not be one of the poachers and the poachees and be in kind of a standby situation, which these other conferences are, but now this really puts, I mean, the SEC, as we know, it could completely be flipped on its head um, because this this isn't adding A&M and Missouri. Um, 
this is just another level. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I feel kind of bad for the Big 12. I mean, they were picked over like ferociously in 2011, 2012 during that initial wave of realignment. And then now to have your big moneymakers, you know, you in Texas out the door, um, we're watching the death of a conference right before our eyes. Right. And I mean, that's that's really kind of happening. You, you, you know, you have things like uh, like the commissioner talking, the Big 12 commissioner talking about without Texas and Oklahoma, we're the Mountain West and we'll get like three million in TV revenue. Um, they're already acting like their survival is on the line. And I mean, heavy accusations towards ESPN of tampering mm-hmm. and that they, they were involved in this. <laughs> and kind of suggested that a high-end Big 12 team try to move to, I, I mean, it's kind of suggested that, like, specifically to the SEC to really create some, I don't know, I mean, basically some breakage in all of this. Um, it's nuts. And, I mean, we got to remember, as you pointed out, the Big 12 was kind of on life support last time around when we did this. And really two things happened is ESPN said, look, to keep you alive, we'll, we'll raise, we'll raise your money a little bit. We'll raise your TV deal. So you can, you know, and Texas can still have the Longhorn deal. That was kind of a way to keep the Longhorn deal, a Longhorn network rather alive. And, you know, Texas legislators got involved. And of course that plays a big part in a conference that, um, you know, it is, is dominated, not just by Texas, but by the other Texas schools, um this time around though it's going to be hard to bail that out and the big 12 well i think for the draft pod here maybe has had a bit of a renaissance maybe a bit of a we are in a put some respect on the big 12's name mode because of the quarterbacks they've produced um you know forever the joke was well he's putting up those stats against right, big right. 12 defenses and then patrick mahomes happened and uh, mm-hmm. now it's not so funny anymore um for for any of us frankly yeah. and uh, and yeah i mean the other thing jake is this is so far out this yeah, is so I mean, far out i mean we kind of going back to a couple episodes when we were talking about playoff expansion you know there was like oh you know maybe we're two three years away we're on, now we're looking at maybe five years away, and that's kind of what we're looking at with here. People are saying 2025, this might not go through. Right, right, which creates the most awkward, we're living together in separate beds, but right. we have filed for divorce situation um, that you can you could imagine, because five years is a long time, and I wonder, man, like kind of bringing it back to the stuff that matters more to us, which is immediate talent on the field. Like what is the immediate impact? What are the immediate implications here? Like, and as nice as this might be for Oklahoma and Texas, when you're talking to a kid right now, you're talking to him to be in the big 12 and are you still selling him on like, oh, yeah, come here and we've got the Baylor rivalry and the Texas Tech rivalry and the OU rivalry and all that when you're going to bail in five years? Like uh, the team, you know, right now, like the things you have an allegiance to an attachment to that you're committing your recruitment to aren't going to be there a year or two after you're gone. 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to play a huge role. I think a big role in recruiting for a lot of these kind of lower profile kids is playing close to home. Absolutely. And when you're playing in these conferences that are now spread out all over the country, uh, you really lose that appeal. Um, I mean, you're going to have Texas, Texas A&M coming back again. So, I mean, it's not completely like all over the place, but Mm -hmm. you know, you lose that aspect. Um, You're not going to really be able to kind of keep the kids in the old back in the backyard um, of these smaller, I guess, smaller schools is what they're calling. We could call it, but I mean, these are going to be the, the, this is the big college football league eventually. So. Yeah, it's, I mean, and I, if I was a and I would pounce like hell. If I was the rest of the SEC, the ACC, the Pac-12, I would really try to pounce on all these Texas kids and be like, why would you want to play in a league right. that's going to be mm-hmm. defunct in five years? What's the point? And then, you know, so Texas and Oklahoma will still dominate the next five years in the Big 12 begrudgingly. Maybe Iowa State does some stuff, and I mean – forget the no horns down stuff like that's off the table <laughs> uh, that law comes through and texas just says they bail out the conference man. all bets are off on that now homie but um yeah and another another uh, aspect in that recruiting though is just you know you talk we talked about the backyard uh just a while ago but i mean these big schools florida your alabama's georgia they don't have any problem recruiting in texas Um, but now, you know, Missouri is going to have a chance to kind of go into Texas and be like, look, man, uh, you get to play against A&M in Texas. We're going back to your home twice a year. Um, I mean, that's a pretty big incentive. Did you not just open that door up for all these wolves to come into your backyard and say, Hey fella, uh, you want to play against Texas every year? We can play against Oklahoma and A&M. That sound good, but actually beat them. If you go yeah, there, you'll just real. lose to us, you know. Um, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting what kind of shape Texas and Oklahoma come into in the when they start in the SEC in five years. You know, can't it, does this incentivize a Lincoln Riley to stay, or does it maybe make them think like, "Geez, five years out, and then I got to compete in the SEC," and I'm maybe the timing is fantastic for an organization who more and more this week, it seems very confirmed. You're looking at a new owner who you'd assume would want to make a big splash and what better splash than Lincoln Riley. Um, yeah. In, in my mind. And you know, like how I really wonder how does Sark feel about something like this coach Sarkeesian uh-huh. who just committed to Texas. Um, you got to go back and play against Saban now all of a sudden. <laughs> right. And, you know, as much as the SEC is going to be, pl- you know, plenty boisterous about this, not that there was any, uh, you know, with the ever-changing landscape, regardless of what happens with Texas and Oklahoma, I think we all would have agreed that the SEC was going to be totally safe. Um, But, you know, what does this mean for the SEC where it's already hard enough to compete for Florida and LSU? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's this ups the stakes in a massive way, massive way. And on top of it all, you've got the NIL mm-hmm. and now you've got big Texas money coming into play in the SEC. Um, 
So really college football, as we know, it is really going to change and how these teams are able to get talent, how long they're able to develop talent. Um, it's all kind of up in the air, man. I can't wait until this year when Texas inevitably loses to, I don't know, Iowa state, Kansas state, Baylor, whatever. And you get oh, the sure. ironic sec chant going on in the, the home stadium that beats oh, Texas. Oh, it's gonna wow. Be great. Jake, that <laughs> is happening. That is a hundred percent. It's a lock. Yeah. Wow. That truly will be magical. Um, dude, I, I just, I kind of feel I, bad I for someone like Iowa you. state. You finally yeah. claw tooth and yeah. nail to the top of the conference. You're finally competing. Um, you know, they haven't really been able to compete even in their own backyard against Iowa and the in-state rivalry. Now you right. finally get like some prestige to your name. And then it's just immediately stripped away because Oklahoma and Texas just said, see ya. Terrible. I know. And where this leaves those teams is incredibly interesting. Mm -hmm. And again, the other thing is, but now you got to navigate that the next five years. How do you do that? Well, I mean, let's get into it. I think we're about to see a massive shakeup in the college football scene. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It was 2011, 2012. TCU already jumped from the Mountain West to the Big 12, hoping that this would kind of push, push the prestige of their program up another star. Um, now that's immediately stripped away. Now they're kind of looking back. Well, now we have to join the Mountain West again. Maybe they can sneak into the Pac-12. I mean, it's just so up in the air for these other teams. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I think we could potentially start to see the revolution of super conferences as a whole in college football. Um, and I think that totally plays into all this talk about the playoff restructure too. Um, you know, you're letting more teams in. If you have four major conferences, I mean, that immediately takes care of your bids for conference winners at that point. Um, and then you're kind of just filling out larges in from the four or three major conferences there. I mean, you don't really have to worry about, you know, your Boise States or UCFs really anymore because you're only going to have three or four established conferences. Yeah, though, does that create the gap? Like for a while post BCS, it became acceptable that uh, one loss, you know, non-undefeated seasons were okay. And, you know, mm -hmm. once in a while, if you're in Alabama, even two losses might, might get you in. Does two losses now become the norm and maybe three losses become acceptable, you know? And it's how do you rank that against an at-large Boise or something? Exactly. It's, it's just going to be chaos. I mean, we're watching just literally a revolution with NIL, the just building of these super conferences and just college football tradition as we know it kind of crumbling. It's just, it's really a new era that we're about to go into. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's going to become the second biggest professional football league in the world, which it always has been. The players just weren't getting a cut, the coaches and conferences and, you know, advertisers and what have you, TV stations and everyone else. We're getting into it, but getting into more specifically what that could look like um, and, you know, the scouting implications of all that, we're going to come back and uh, talk more. Where potentially could you go? What are you talking about as far as super leagues? Get into the specifics, play a little imagination game, get into some scouting implications and uh, 
you know, maybe even talk some quarterbacks since uh, quarterbacks are once again in vogue. And we don't have to kill the draft pod because like five years of draft picks won't be traded for Aaron Rodgers. So, hey, that's that's (laughs) silver lining for us at least. So we'll catch you on the other side. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only America's number one sportsbook, guys. It's been amazing to bet on the Olympics, Major League Baseball. Now we've got NFL futures. We can even get NFL draft futures in there. It's a great place to wager sports. They've got amazing deals. Right now, if you're a new user, you bet $1.00. Um, to be eligible to win $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. And spoiler alert, that's happened already. So I think you are safe to go to DraftKings. You've also got a great little tier deal where if you bet on the Olympics, 10 bucks every day, you're going to get $5 free. You bet 50, you're going to get $25 free. So check them out because the fun is never ending for sports fans. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And maybe all you sports fans can use those winnings from DraftKings to go to Green Mountain Dental Group, where we've had several DMVR listeners switch over to them um, over the years and make them the permanent family dentist. Those listeners have personal reached out and let us know how great their experience was and thank us for letting them um, into such a wonderful place, such a wonderful practice. You know, Colorado people doing right by other Colorado people. That's really what we try to stand by here at the MVR. And uh, that's exactly what Green Mountain Dental is. There's honestly nothing more rewarding than hearing that from our listeners. So please tell us about your experience if you've made the switch. And if you don't know, Green Mountain Dental is in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. And they're, um, you know, extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. You always love that in the waiting room and what have you. They've taken care of our people over the years. They're one of our oldest sponsors, and they're only 15 minutes from downtown. Remember, get a cleaning x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. That is just a phenomenal deal. Check them out. All right, and we're right back. So, yeah, um, this now, Jake, would really leave... The, the Big 12, which its own commissioner has said, basically isn't a Power 5 conference um, once you strip away Texas and Oklahoma. It has eight teams out there. And um, as I was saying, you know, now the, the Big 12 has been the poach. The SEC is the poach ease. The Big 10, probably the safest of the outsiders. Uh, they've had some good TV revenue. That's good football country. Big 10 Network's doing well. They've been able to invest that money into some pretty competent coaches, which for the most part have paid off. Um, <clears throat> though now we're starting to get into wasteful money, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, giving D'Antonio money to Mel Tucker. We, we'll see right. how that works out and what have you. Um, so the Big Ten probably feels safer. The Pac-12 has to be scared to death. And looking at the remainders out of the Big 12 as, um, you know, you got to save them. I think the ACC, there are teams in a ver- sitting very nice, and there are teams that must be terrified that exactly what the Big 12 
um, has happened, uh, what happened to the Big 12 will happen to them. So I, I think safe to say SEC, Big 10, those could be kind of your two Super League starters. Is there room for a third out West? And I mean, and again, the concept of out West of even regionally based conferences just kind of, it's something we'll have to adjust to because I don't mm-hmm. think that that can really even be the case. anymore. Yeah. It's the West I think is completely up in the air. I mean, the ACC, you could even say too, is in some trouble. I mean, I love the football that's played in the ACC, but I mean, really you take away Clemson and then, I mean, last year you had Notre Dame technically in the conference, but yep. I mean, that's not going to yep. be a deal moving forward. Um, you know, I think of someone like West Virginia out of the big 12, they're probably, one of the bigger names that is going to be scooped up quickly. Um, but I mean, Kansas state, Kansas Baylor, uh, those teams got to be scared to death. I mean, they're so close to now yeah. being like conference USA members, which is crazy. Right. And the interesting thing is historically, if you're a power five team, you rarely regress to becoming a group of five. Yeah. So, you know, like Rutgers somehow is in the big 10 and was given that right. like they didn't just let it, die off um so i think in a lot of ways these teams will be safe but it's where do they give you more push and like if i'm the the pac 12 i wouldn't panic and try to add like six of those teams because now all of a sudden you're you're kind of a middling power five conference you know and right. you, you don't have an identity you're not necessarily you become the new big 12 a hundred percent. Right. And you're just waiting. I think honestly, the more interesting thing and Kansas will be interesting for sure. Like, you know, they move the needle mm-hmm. on, on the hoop side and where the auto yeah. bids happen in the tourney and the hoop side becomes really interesting here as well. Um, you know, as you condense more and more of the conferences, I think the ACC is what's going to really swing this though. Now. I like, think they have to. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of in, caught in that, in between position, are we going to be, you know, looking at being more of a Pac-12 type of conference, or can we really soup it up to really join this and this movement and become a super conference? And I just don't know if it's there. I mean, really, you take away Clemson from this conference, and it's it's not much. No, it's not much. And you you have some real upside on FSU, Miami as well, but that's. Mm-hmm. That's a private school. People forget. That's a pretty small private school. So it's it's got some unique things going on that you wouldn't think for like a the name brand and football powerhouse that Miami is. Um, but yeah, after that, it's really more of a basketball school. Yeah. I mean, like you said, at least Kansas has that going for them where, you know, they can kind of approach maybe the Big Ten or maybe the ACC total, and say, look, total. we're bringing this to the table. We may not bring it in football, which is the moneymaker, but we still have a high profile basketball program. Not many of these other schools can say that. Um, no, so it's absolutely. Gonna be just, yeah, it's just going to be mayhem. My God. Well, and the pitch for Kansas would be, you know, like we, we do have money. We do yeah. invest money in football and maybe in the right conference, we can get it right because like resources is not an issue for Kansas football. It's just been getting it right. And sometimes resources forces you to not be the most patient, not go after program builders, but to go after flashier names. And, you know, Mm -hmm. they're just kind of 
wheels are spinning on empty over there. Um, but that's an intriguing one. And I mean, Kansas is a logical fit for the Big Ten. Notre Dame's mm-hmm. the other albatross sitting out. Right. Huge yeah. I mean, I, I do think it's a little bit, though, kind of just like the sky is falling in this moment in time right now. Yeah. I mean, they're not leaving for 2021. So there's plenty of time, I think, for all these schools to kind of take a step back, recollect, and just really methodically think this out to figure the best path for them in the long term. Um, so, I mean, I know it just kind of looks like doom and gloom for a lot of these schools right Crazy. now, but I think it will all kind of sort itself out. And I just keep going. I think this is, this is just fallout from the NCAA kind of just losing power and falling apart, really. I mean, yeah. if you had one yeah. main governing figure that's really kind of checking and balancing all the conferences, mm-hmm. um, as you did back in 2011, 2012, maybe it's not as big a deal, but we're really entering uncharted territory here. No, you're right. It's the wild, wild West because there's no true single governing body. And that just leads to, I mean, everything being on the table right now. And it's, it's wild and not just for the conferences, but for the teams and, and the players themselves. And I worry though, that this move being as big as it is because Texas and Oklahoma I mean, with all the realignment we saw last time around, Jake, were there, were there two programs as big as Texas, Oklahoma that moved? Oh, man, I don't off the top of my head. I don't think so. I think it was I mean, you kind of saw the Big 12 falling apart. But I think one of the mainstays was Texas and Oklahoma saying, no, we're still here. We're still exactly. Big 12. Right. Um, that's gone. Yeah, no, that's that's done and dusted. And it. I mean, I want, you know, my question leading in was like, are we looking at three, four super leagues? I really worry that we're setting up for two mm-hmm. and that basically the ACC's the cream of the crop will just go to the SEC. Um, the Big Ten will have to fight like hell for Notre Dame and Kansas. And maybe they, I don't know, they get a Syracuse or something. And, yeah. uh, you know, they get some scraps and and then it's people are fighting for the pac-12 and usc goes goes one place oregon goes another you know maybe washington is included in that maybe ucla is included in that and mm-hmm. you know we kind of wash our hands and it's like two 20 team conferences basically like soccer leagues that the epl 20 yep. teams um and there you go but I think there is a positive to this. I mean, going to the scouting side of things, yeah, let's. that's what you want is seeing these high profile guys play against the best teams. That's where you kind of yes. learn the most from yes. um, and where the most valuable tape comes from. I mean, do we really need to see Alabama play three Mercer teams nope. a year still? So, I mean, now you get to replace at least one of those imaginably right now with OU or Texas. Um, yeah. So you're kind of, beefing up that side of things um in terms of i think us our job i think it makes it better honestly no i mean it's already you know i i like to say as much of a crapshoot as it is you know i all my colleagues I, i have to see them grind through the mlb draft the nhl draft even the nba draft where you're drafting mostly 19 year olds it's such a crapshoot we have the easiest evaluation because that that step from college football as a like upperclassman to the nfl isn't nearly as drastic 
now if you had a super league that would really make your job better and i mean yeah we could be seeing like nfl style seasons where you have a 16 and 4 you know uh mm-hmm. 12 and 6 year 12 yeah. and 4 season and okay um and you get to see these guys against the best of the best twice a year something like that um and that's where all the best talents are going um and you know we'd still have small small, small schools prospects we always will have small schools prospects Absolutely. and mm-hmm. our definition of small school is ever changing you know um you know and for some people uh, um, a guy from university of memphis is a small school for some people that's a big school it's a right it's all a matter of perspective but it's uh and it should improve the coaching and i really wonder how the nil plays in all this because i think you know in the next segment we'll get to a specific case but you'll get into more um i think like refined specific training you'll have more resources to look after your body these aren't going to be guys who are just, uh, you know, college kids like Shaq Barrett was, who was putting, I remember his story at CSU, he would put syrup on his spaghetti. He never <laughs> yeah. had, you know, uh-huh. um, and like, obviously his diet, like really improved once he stopped, like putting a bunch of sugar on stuff or what have you. Yep. Um, and like, what does improving your quality of life this significantly with nil money this early on do for you at this stage in your life you know with nil and all that you got me thinking now mentioning the other sports drafts maybe we kind of see a revolution in the draft of the nfl because if you do kind of end up with a true super league or a a junior league i guess just one step or a half step at this point below the nfl are we going to see guys starting to get drafted? Um, are they going to change the three-year elig- eligibility rule to where you can draft these 19-year-olds? You do have the rights to these guys, and you can see guys like Jadeveon Clowney, um, you know, who was already touted to be a number one pick after his freshman year. Are we going to see that type of thing start to happen in the NFL where, yeah, they may play for Clemson or Alabama right now, but uh, the Denver Broncos or the Chargers own their rights in this moment? Um, it's, it's crazy. That'd be very interesting, but I mean, yeah, I could totally see it. And I think the NFL to this point has tried to protect the NCAA. I don't see much of that anymore, especially since the NFL is now going to be competing against the like college football, as far as paying players and getting them like mm-hmm. now, I think it's going to be a lot harder to get guys to leave as red shirt sophomores or um you know even juniors because for a while that really happened that whole hike um that we we we've seen for almost 10 years now of underclassmen declaring really happened because as a result of the rookie cap so Mm -hmm. now guys wanted to declare earlier because agents were telling them we want to get to your second contract the earliest possible so we have a larger amount to get paid well maybe that rookie scale doesn't look all that great if Bryce Young is earning, I don't know, two to five mil uh, per season at Alabama. You know, we get to that point. And in the Super League format, two to five might not be outlandish. That might be super conservative for a quarterback for a top five team. Well, Saban came out uh, 
this week or the week before and yep. said that Bryce Young was basically already a seven figure or set to make seven figures from NIL uh, just because, I mean, he's super young, super talented, and he's playing at Alabama. Um, the ceiling for his earning potential just in college already is going to be massive. Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, let's get into it in this segment. We can do more stuff on the quarterbacks in the next segment. But um, we're now seeing this trickle down all the way to recruiting in the high school ranks mm-hmm. where um, – and as you know, I'm name blind, so help me with the recruit's <laughs> name. Quinn Ewers. Right, who's the number one cat for 2022, right? I believe so, yes. He's on schedule to be a senior in high school this year. But, I mean, I what? who, who said it? Who was the, uh, what's the report here? Yeah, so Pete Thamel is saying in a Yahoo exclusive that the number overall recruit Quinn Ewers tells Yahoo Sports he's leaning towards skipping his senior year of high school and attending Ohio State. Ewers could then sign NIL deals worth nearly seven figures, which aren't allowed in Texas for high school players. So essentially, all you have to do is change your status as a, you know, high school to college. You can earn that money. And um, there you go. And we've already seen this happening. We've already seen guys, you know, leaving early, not finishing their last semester of high school to early enroll at colleges exactly. just to kind of get the jump start. Exactly. Now you fact, now you bring actual money or not under the table money anymore into the equation. And right. it's just the tip of the iceberg. It's going to be crazy. You're going to have a bunch of 17, 18 year olds already enrolled at Alabama or Clemson everywhere. Right. And I mean, it really goes to show you the kind of earning power that, kids can have with those kind of recruiting profiles when you go to an Ohio state or a program of that magnitude. And I mean, it's the template's been set at Alabama. We just talked about seven figures for a quarterback who's never even played, but (laughs) off that recruiting and look, it's not just recruiting hype. Like the kid played his ass off at one of the premier programs in the country and you know, got taken, recruited by Saban, signed by Saban, and now has been developed to be the next guy after Tua, after Mac Jones, um, you know, like nothing but Heisman finalist at quarterback for Alabama, and now he is next. So, yeah, smart money says this guy should be pretty damn good. Um, And as an advertiser, you can kind of invest in that. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, because a deal with uh, Quinn Ewers now might seem stupid if he never starts at Ohio State. Right. But in three years when he is starting and is maybe a Heisman finalist, holy cow, that like hundred grand deal should be worth two mil. What a, you know, so. I mean, on the other hand, necessarily getting taken advantage of, but. Right. On the other hand, though, I mean, small news, but it was came out earlier in week or this last week that Tate Martell was transferring again. So, I mean, you're going to have some of these high profile kids that are going to bust too, um, but they're going to be millionaires and they probably have already transferred to two, three teams at this point. Right. And Tate Martell, if anything, the transfer portal might've helped him because um, I mean, let's face like when he gets signed by Miami, boom, Tons of new marketing opportunities get signed by a new place. So uh, 
Well, I mean, right, going so to UNLV now, now he's like the biggest like football player or collegiate football player in the state of Nevada. So, right. I mean, and could I mean, I guess Carson's strong. Justin's probably upset at that. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going <laughs> to, you're going to hear it for that one. Um, But I mean, he would really have a legendary career after what he did at Bishop Gorman. Um, He never lost a high school game. I think he won three consecutive national championships. Mm-hmm. Um to, to do that then, and, you know, obviously you're, he's not winning a natty, but uh, to do anything at UNLV and kind of salvage that career that seems so promising would be, I mean, it'd be kind of cool. I don't know how it would you be feel cool. about Tate Martello. I mean, we don't have to get into it specifically, but I mean, it'd be a cool redemption story, I think, to see one, to actually see him on the football field finally and play. No, that would be cool. Um, but just to see, like, this guy's taking a lot of hate online um, just because yeah. of all these transfers and to, you know, see him kind of put the middle finger up to everyone and perform well at UNLV would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it would. And, I mean, again, I wonder, like, would an NIL, would the NIL, when he was coming in, have helped him stay at Ohio State? Mm-hmm. Because then it becomes easier to stay patient. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be fascinating, man. I mean, this has all been like essentially a show about us speculating about the future, which Mm -hmm. in some ways is what we always do on this show, just about prospects. But I mean, this, we, we need to try and think the game out ahead of time. And um, yeah, it's uh, it feels like there's really going to be some, massive changes coming our way and um how it all impacts is hard to predict but we will be falling along every step of the way that's for sure absolutely well jake i think that will do it for our second and final break before we come back um we are the dmvr draft pods presented by DraftKings sportsbook We'll be right back, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk some quarterbacks real quick, just our top fives. We've already given you some other rankings. We'll get into that. And for a final break, I just want to remind you guys that the Olympics, Euros, baseball, major championships, and concerts are all in this summer. You know what isn't? A wild and hairy bush. Tame your pubes with help from our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Their fourth-generation's performance package includes the brand-new Lawnmower 4.0. If an athlete treats their body like royalty, why not treat your pubes like Olympic gold? Fellas, do right by your balls and join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, including the entire DMVR draft crew, by going Going with the code DNVR, we all love it. Hank's a big fan of the uh, chafing cream, especially for golfing in the summer. Kind of a must there. Undies are amazing. The lawnmower is incredible. I've got the nose trimmer, which is no joke. That thing is for real spectacular. Get in on Manscaped and use that code DNVR. Check them out. All right, and we're back. Andre Simone, Jake Schwanitz. Uh, Jake, we've already given our top 10s, uh, early 2022 top 10s. We all had plenty of quarterbacks in them because it's such a kind of wide open draft class, this one. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so why not go YOLO mode and just put a couple quarterbacks in there? But now, look, uh, no Aaron Rodgers for this year. We'll see what happens next year. This could be great for the Broncos and not having to give up assets and maybe have two options at quarterback in Watson and Rodgers and who knows what, what else next offseason. Um, you know, the Broncos with the ownership stuff looming over them, that's really, you know, from a draft perspective and how this team will be built long-term definitely is a, is a little harder to predict with that kind of factor in play here. Um, but regardless, Locke, Bridgewater, will be locked into the quarterback competition. We'll, we'll definitely, once again, be locked into the quarterbacks coming out of the college ranks. Um, and yeah, we're just going to give our top fives. There'll be plenty of time to change our rankings, to break these guys down throughout the year. But going into the season, my man, Remind me, who is your top quarterback in this class? It's got to be Spencer Rattler. I mean, I think you can kind of nitpick each and every one of these prospects at the moment so right much. now. Yes. Um, they all have legitimate concerns at this point, whether it be size yeah. or the offense that they play in. Uh, but in, just in terms of arm talent, which is, I think, where you need to go, especially in these preliminary rankings with these guys, um, Spencer Rattler leads the pack. Um, he's playing at OU with Lincoln Riley. So you're going to be able to yes. see him in a fairly modern NFL offense or style offense. Um, again, the size with him, I, that's the one thing I kind of have some concerns yeah. about because he's not physically imposing at all. Mm -hmm. um, six, one, two Oh five, but the arm talent pops off the screen. Absolutely. Got to clean up some turnovers a bit, but yeah. very excited to see how he grows this year. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. A lot of people excited about Rattler. I see the high end. I need to watch more high end to get myself more excited. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, no, you're right. You can nitpick every single one of these guys. And the thing that distinguishes this, I mean, at least from last year where you had Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, um, there's no one who's shown consistency on tape, at least through a full season. Um, so there's no wrong answer. There's no correct answer. But like the rest of the group, uh, Rattler's inconsistencies <laughs> concerned. Yeah. Um, Malik Willis is my top guy from Liberty. I don't know. I guess I'm gambling on the athleticism that does kind of, that is kind of his separator. And, um, you know, I agree with you that Rattler, um, well, I've got, I've got a secret pick in here, but yeah, he, he'd be right up there as far as best arm talent of the class, pure arm talent, very Zach Wilson-y, right? Like right, he's yeah. just awesome off platform and stuff. Um, Willis, Willis is up there though. He can throw it hard. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, Liberty is going to be a tough projection, but you are intrigued by that offense that he's in as well. You know, you've he's got that going for him, just like Rattler has the Lincoln Riley offense. So, um, yeah, Malik Willis, my first guy. He's also a little more built than Rattler, though they're both man undersized. We we've just abandoned yeah. size. We don't care about size at quarterback anymore. It's fine. I throw my hands up. I don't care. Whatever. Um, Daniel Jeremiah threw out the comparison of uh, Jalen Hurts to Malik Willis, which Dude, I I think Willis has a bit more pop in the arm. Than yes. Jalen Hurts ever had for sure. Yeah. And honestly, in terms of like an athlete in space, I think Willis has already kind of shown a bit more. I think 
Jalen Hurts is a bit more kind more of straight line up. and slashing. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, well, and Hurts, of course, is built like a running back. He's like 6'2", exactly. 220. So he he doesn't have to be twitched up because he was one of the best running quarterbacks in all college football. And yeah, I mean, shoot, he could have played running back at Alabama. Mm-hmm. He's, he's that kind of size and speed. Yeah. For sure. Um, on to number two for me, I've got Sam Howell. Um, the obvious comparisons for him have been Baker Mayfield. Uh, his concern with me is more so the offense. Um, it's very kind of one reedy. I don't want to say gimmicky because that just feels like a complete like backhanded compliment. Um, but in some ways it is. I mean, it's one yeah. read RPO type stuff. Um, he does show some nice accuracy with the deep ball, which of course is going to be That's intriguing. Trade, and, probably. Yeah, accuracy overall. Um, and he's an athlete too. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I just want to see more though. That's just all I need to see from Sam. 100%. Just more. 100%. And honestly, maybe the one who's had the most consistency at like a consistently high level. But then there are games where like, I mean, you know, so like if you put on Diami Brown tape, the, right. the deep threat wide receiver for UNC, um, last year, you're going to love Howell because he can send it. He's not afraid and he can be pretty accurate. Um, and in fact, his stats could have been way better um, if they weren't so run heavy and guys like uh, Brown weren't dropping balls. But then, right, it's, you know, is he as dialed in as Baker was on the short to intermediate? He's mm-hmm. built like a tank, though. Um, and he's not afraid to send it. He can make some stuff happen off platform. The arm is there. Uh, the pedigree is there. He, he's been doing it since he was a freshman. So he actually would mm-hmm. be a guy who would, um, I think he'd check off the parcel requirements, um, with one more. He's got to be close after this year for sure. Yeah. So you got to like that, but you're right. You got to see consistency and you got to see that on, <laughs> you made some great points. So I won't reiterate them, but, but we agree on our number two guy. So, um, I like that three. Yeah, and then you have? Mine would be Go Malik on. Willis, just because we already talked about it. just the athletes playing quarterback. I mean, that's kind of the new thing and he's probably the best overall athlete playing quarterback yeah. in FBS this year. Um, I'm just so excited to watch this team just because the schedule for Liberty is not really a cupcake. I mean, we've already talked about this plenty of times on the show. So he's going to be tested. um, And they were really surprised last year overall. So if they can kind of continue that, uh, maybe they're undefeated heading into November or something. I mean, the hype is going to be off the charts with him. Yeah, totally. Um, No, I I agree. Uh, My third quarterback is Talia Tagovailoa from Maryland. Oh, Um, I think... I think his I think he might actually have the best arm talent in the class. Um his, I, you may not be wrong, man. His arm has wild zip. Wild zip. Um and he's doing it off platform and he's also it's you know it, it, this to say he's the best athlete you would have to get into a more in-depth conversation of like quickness versus speed and what does athleticism mean um i think his long speed though is probably the best of the class at quarterback he just he just runs away disappears from defenders um so you know i i like that about him now if willis and howell have been inconsistent if rattler's been inconsistent even got benched a couple times, you know, and there, there's some knucklehead stuff dating back to high school. 
that's yeah. got you know it's got my antennas up like i'm i'm watching him uh Tua's little brother has two games where you'd think, oh, okay, so he is the number one pick coming into this year. And then two games that make you think, will he be starting at Maryland next season? So yeah. I am purely going, you know, I am fully aware that he he might not even be a prospect, but whatever. It's the offseason, and this is the craziest like college football season we'll ever get into. So why not just go off that? You know, in Maryland, like, I think they played four games. I played, I think they played six games or something, but they were one of those teams that just had constant, constant COVID, uh, you know, games suspended. So Mm -hmm. he, like, barely has played at all. So, you know. Yeah, five games played by Maryland last year. I think something also to take into account uh, to his dad, or I guess Talia's dad, too, played a big role in Tua's development. And I'd like to imagine that that plays a big role in Talia's development too. Um, right. You know, Tua was very refined at Alabama. Obviously he had Great a point. huge supporting cast around him, but Absolutely. Um, if he can kind of show that off a bit more for sure, I think that he's a huge candidate to enter this conversation. Absolutely. hundred percent. And we've talked about, you know, bloodlines more and more on this podcast as uh, we became, we become more sage old scouts. He's mm-hmm. definitely got that right. They're all from the same high school Mariota's from, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, and why, dude? Like, we should Insane. all be so lucky to have three quarterbacks like that <laughs> from our high school. Um, let's close out these top fives. You got number four on deck. Four, my man, Phil Dracovic. Oh, quarterback, let's go. Boston College, man. I mean, just probably one of the most impressive players I saw last year overall. Yeah. I mean. Yeah in terms of size and just arm ability to just launch the ball, he was extremely impressive and he's more mobile than giving credit for You look at the stats, the rushing stats aren't going to blow you away by any means, Um, but put on a Boston college game, man. He played really well for them when healthy down the stretch. I'm expecting a big year from Boston college uh, this coming year. It's going to be kind of wide open in the ACC, right? Um, Oh yeah, for sure. No. And I mean, as much as you've been banging that drum, you can, he is an available option to go number one overall so there is some minor some mind jerkovich um hype out there and yeah like put on some hunter long tape and uh you'll you'll get that 100 percent. oh yeah and um yeah no i love that uh never change on that i'm for i'm going (laughs) rattler this is where kind of the high-end upside meets you know the meets where i'm willing to take the risk that and you know for me, him and Tagovailoa are neck and neck because we're just gambling on super high upside. Obviously, we're also gambling on Lincoln Riley getting it right, but we got to remember Lincoln Riley's always done it with kind of some outside help. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimbo and others had got their hands on Kyler Murray. You know, uh, Baker already came right, from, from Kingsbury and what yeah. have you. Hertz certainly had some excellent coaching. I think it's no coincidence that under Rattler, they had their worst season under Lincoln Riley by a long shot, obviously Mm -hmm. extenuating circumstances that every program in the country was dealing with as well. But this is a big year for Rattler. This is a big year for, for Lincoln Riley because that stock has gone up, up, up. This was probably the first year where it's plateaued. And if you don't get back to like 10 wins and, I hate to say it, but you kind of got to win Texas to keep your stock up the way it's been. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
your rep's going to fall off just a little bit. And uh, so there's a lot going in. The other thing is Oklahoma's lost a ton of talent, a ton mm-hmm. of talent over the years. Absolutely. And so, and that's the other thing, like Lincoln Riley's had a lot of success with Bob Stoops' recruits. Mm-hmm. What, what I think, can, and some really, really well-picked transfer portal quarterbacks, right? Absolutely. But what can sure. you do on your own is always the question I have of all these like high hot shot, you know, new coaches. I think with Rattler, we're kind of seeing uh, the Pat Mahomes effect. Not really. Oh, yeah. uh, how do I put this? People just see Spencer Rattler and the way he plays, also kind of the way he looks, and they immediately think Patrick Mahomes just off those things. Uh-huh. And we're kind of getting into that territory where we all have to take a step back and realize Pat Mahomes is generational. Um, yes. he's There's not going to be Pat Mahomes growing on trees. These no. comparisons constantly to Pat Mahomes, uh, you know, going back to last year with Zach Wilson, they're, they're very extreme, right? Yeah. Um, just because the guy can make some sidearm throws and makes a pretty throw off platform yes. does not make him yes. Pat Mahomes. Might so try I, a no look pass that exactly you know, or can't work out. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So I commend you for having him at four because I think that's a very, a very like sound take to have because we're all very reactionary. I think to Pat Mahomes yeah. at this point in time. No, I, I think it's a great point. And I think we really are. This, this is one of those times where like off, off-platform throws are everything. Yeah. When I started evaluating quarterbacks, they weren't. And I, I do value it a lot more. And, I mean, I grew up watching John Elway, so it's not like mm-hmm. I was like, oh, who cares about off-platform steps? <laughs> yeah. Five-step drops is all that matters. <laughs> um, you know, but, yeah, we're kind of at a point where maybe we're just overvaluing that. Uh, we just kind of get into these trends of quarterbacks, right? I mean, all I guess positions, honestly, that's true. That's true. But like 10, 15 years ago, it was kind of all about the big arm, right? Everyone wanted the big yes, pocket passer yes. that could stand in there with the big arm. Yeah, now it's the guy Marino. who can exactly. Now it's the guy who can kind of run around a bit, not necessarily pass the line of scrimmage, but you know, the Russell Wilson's create yes. behind the line of scrimmage yes. and make the crazy throws. That's what we're obsessed with now. Um, Moving on. Number five, number five, Man, I had a tough one with this. Yeah. I think Justin's got me convinced. I'm going to have to go Carson <laughs> Strong here. Let's do it. Um, I think, though, it's mostly just because I'm not a big believer in the other ones yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keaton Slovis, yeah. uh, Matt Corral, JT Daniels, Desmond Ritter, to mention a few. Yeah, um, totally. Carson Carson Strong's kind of – did I call him Carson Wentz? I think I did. Um, Carson Strong, though, oh, he's kind of creeping up on that Bill Parcells rule too, right? Yep, yep. I mean, he was a true freshman starter. There's going to be a lot of tape on this guy, and I think we've kind of seen the progression already, and if he's able to take that next step this year, he definitely enters into round one conversation. It's a lot of tape, a lot of pass attempts. It's an offense that we're going to be less scared off by than we were, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. Um, and, yeah, he's going he's gonna to be really fun to watch. He's got to put up some some important fights against the Blue Bloods in the Mountain West. Uh, that might not matter to some, but like, that's where Josh Allen made his draft stock, man. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't play the way he played against the Boise's, uh, the San Diego States of the world, and really give you know Wyoming a better chance than they'd had in damn near two decades against those kind of programs, 
his stock isn't where it's at. And that's what Strong's going to have to do to really move up and threaten some of the guys we've mentioned already, for sure. Yeah, but he's intriguing. Absolutely. I honestly need to get into him more. Big arm. Yeah, uh, I rely on Justin too much on that, right? Yeah, big arm, but uh, there's a... Uh, there's some stuff. It's still a little bit of one read offense type stuff. Very simplified. Right. right. Um, but I mean, the talent's what you're looking at. So it's there for right now. Yeah. I mean, Mr. One read bazooka arm is nothing new. You know, uh, we, yeah. we've seen those kind of prospects before. Um, and I'm glad you didn't have them in your top five at all, because we get to talk about Keaton Slovis for a second. Um, you know, the, the size, as Hank was pointing out to me, he saw him just, recently at media day in las vegas not not as much as you'd think he thinks he's shorter than six three and he's listed at like 205 so i think we kind of think of him as a bulkier dude but he's not really um and you know there's some times where the arm and mobility and ability to make make throws under duress is impressive and there are other times where I have legitimate concerns of if those uh, traits will uh, like tick up enough to really warrant the hype uh, you where know, the hype's at. You know who he kind of reminds me of is Kyle Trask, just in terms of that. Yes. It's more so accuracy and just kind of. Yes. Place I mean, there. I hate to make this sound like a negative, but like the more finer aspects of playing the position, he has that. Yes. Whereas it's like the physical intangibles are what's missing. The arm does seem kind of noodle army at times. Uh, yeah. I remember a few games just watching last year, I was really not impressed with his ability to drive the right. ball. So that's really, I mean, that's what scares me off about him the most. Right. But he's a guy, he's got good placement. He's got some good timing on his throws. He, you know, he'll navigate a pocket. Well, he's mm -hmm. got, he's got that refinement and I, Again, you could easily see him and that USC offense take off this year, though. Don't hold your breath on Clay Helton and the boys. Um, Absolutely. I mean, the numbers look great. He's 47 touchdowns to 16 interceptions already to this point in time. 70% uh, completion. I mean, it all looks great on paper right now. But when we take a step back and actually evaluate the film um, in six months or whatever from now, yep. I do wonder if we start kind of picking him apart kind of like Kyle Trask was great this point. past year yeah the pound the table traits are are missing a bit for you to really you know for us to be massive believers and I think unsurprisingly that's why you're seeing more love from Rattler Willis and others in the draft world um while Slovis certainly had that SoCal you know vibe and hype to him coming in that was lots of fun, Jake. I appreciate you yeah. taking time out of your night to do this with me again. We're double dosing it this weekend, uh, this week. So tune in Friday. Um, we'll be back next week as well with more preview stuff. It's almost August college football and NFL football just around the corner. I can't believe it. Finally. Jay on the moon.